I'm Diane Lee, and this is Never Forget What They Did. On March 12, 2020, the WHO declared COVID-19 a global pandemic. In July 2020, the Australian government actively prevented its citizens and permanent residents returning home from overseas or interstate. When we got back, they locked us up and made us pay. These are our stories because we must never forget what they did. Carl had been living in the UK since 2005, but came back to Australia regularly to visit his mother, who lives in Queensland, and to take care of his tenanted property. When his mother was diagnosed with terminal cancer in July 2020, he scrambled to get home. While he found a flight back, the Queensland government refused him entry because his mother's impending death wasn't a sufficient reason. Fast forward a year and the Queensland government permitted his entry because his property needed repair and it satisfied their financial need criteria. And then the horrors of hotel quarantine. This is Carl's story. Been here for um, since 2005 because here in the UK it actually went really, really silly. For I think we, we went silly before Australia did. And everyone had to wear face masks and you couldn't go anywhere and all that sort of stuff. And I just thought, what a load of rubbish this is. My mum rang me up in late July. So by July 2020, there were flight caps in place and a hotel quarantine in place. So where was your mum? My mum was in Queensland in a little town called Oakey. So she was uh, diagnosed with terminal cancer and they said, well, you, you're probably going to be gone by the end of the year. So my immediate reaction was, yeah, can I get back to Australia? I actually did find a flight back the, um, and it was, it was like 5,000 pounds, not dollars, but pounds, which is about nearly $9,000. But I was still, I was still going to take that. The uh, ticket office wouldn't actually give me the, the flight until I got permission from this from the Queensland government to return. Did Queensland have a pass that was similar to WA? Because WA had the G2G, and I know that people have awful trouble trying to get into WA. What was the situation with Queensland? Queensland had um, a system where if you had an extreme need to come back to Australia, then you could apply to the Queensland Health Department and the... Um, health minister would then either accept or reject your request. So I filled out their online form asking for permission to return, stating that yeah, my mother was terminally ill and she wasn't expected to live for very long. Yeah, they flat out said, well, yeah, the, the rest of the world's health is more important. Than, yeah, they didn't say this in those words. The health of all the rest of Queensland is, is more important than, than you see in your mum before she dies. Yeah. So I was pretty pissed off. So what was their criteria, basically? Because basically they said bugger off, didn't they? They did. And what the what the criteria were, as far as I can remember, is that you had to have a, a strong financial case for coming back or you could have a family circumstance where you have to come back. 
you know, obviously a dying relative or a dying mum is not is not really sort of a good enough excuse. So they rejected that. What did you do when you got that rejection? Wasn't anything I could do. I got back onto the travel agent and I said, well, I've been rejected for the special entry visa and um, so I won't be able to take the, the flight. So that was the end of that. I was actually feeling quite depressed about it all and the the only way I could contact my mum was yeah, by phone, which I was able to do. So that, that was a good thing. You know, it's not the same thing. I'd actually lost my dad in 2017. So then to lose my mum so soon after, uh, 2018, sorry, to to have my mum go like, well, two years later, that, that was pretty tough. Carl wasn't able to get back to Australia until the following April in 2021. Queensland approved his entry because he had a financial need. The Chief Health Officer, Jeanette Young, admitted at a media conference that the Health Department was making entry decisions for economic reasons, which is why movie stars and celebrities were allowed in. I did the following year, so um, I actually was able to get a flight over for the uh, 2nd of April. And the reason why is actually because uh, I have a a house in Queensland. Yeah, the tenant that was in there was actually, he had to move out for medical reasons and the the place was a a real mess. I couldn't relet it and, um, yeah, I couldn't afford to have it unlet. So I asked the government, can I... (laughs) can I have a visa to come back to repair my house, please? Because I can't get contractors. And uh, so they, they granted it because it was a financial need. I would have rather them let me come back to see my mum. But anyway. So they, they let me come back to do that. And uh, so I landed in Brisbane on the 2nd of April. For the first two weeks of April, I was in um, the quarantine hotel in Brisbane. The hotel had been had been undergoing a refurb and they decided that it'd be a suitable place to put detainees. So they shipped us off there. Yeah, to be fair, the room that, that I was actually in was not that bad. But during my stay, yeah, there was people abseiling down my windows, for one thing. I was on, a, I think, the eighth floor. I was on the eighth floor. As the week's gone on, you know, on two different occasions, there's, there's people abseiled straight down past my window and they sort of get a good look in while they go on down. And they were actually doing um, some sort of uh, work on the building. So they were changing all the signs and all that sort of stuff. So I imagine it had something to do with that. So that was the first thing. In week two, they started jackhammering in the stairwell next to my room. So it's right the, the very next door to my room was, was the door to the stairs. And I'm I can only imagine they were sort of chipping off all the tiles off the stairs or something like that with a jackhammer. And it, it was just like you know, being in a torture chamber. You couldn't turn it off. I think I got out on the Saturday, but on the Thursday, by the Thursday, I was so fed up with it that I actually rang Queensland. Well, I didn't ring Queensland Health. You couldn't. I contacted them by yeah, their form that says, if you've got problems, contact us, which was pretty much useless. I got a response back about three weeks later. I contact them to say, look, this is really, really bad. I can't take the noise anymore. I've been on to reception and the reception, the first time they, they answered the phone and they said they'll see what they can do. Uh, but following that, 
I couldn't even contact reception. They just wouldn't answer. It was so bad that I opened the door to my room and went out into the hallway and started gesturing towards the camera, trying to provoke someone to come up to talk to me. And, um, and nothing happened. So... Don't forget that we were being charged $3,000 each for this torture. In Guantanamo Bay, their detainees were tortured for free. Carl, like the rest of us, had no power to do anything about the conditions of our detention. Where was the duty of care? I actually wrote to uh, Queensland Health. Yeah, after they sent me their first demand letter to pay their fees, they believe I owe them. I wrote them back and I said, well, yeah, I ate the food, so I suppose I would pay for the food. But actually, as far as the room goes, the hotel was a building site. I actually made a complaint via the Queensland Health um, website during my stay because because I could not get the hotel to stop jackhammering in the stairs next to my room. And I said, that is akin to torture. And I think that if I was a prisoner, yeah, I would have gone to the... Um, to the courts and, and had the prison sued for that, but yeah. Like solitary confinement is, is actually, it's a punishment. It's not a, um, it's not a good thing. I don't know how they could actually justify it really. But I'm not even sure who was running the hotel, whether it was the, the owners of the hotel or whether it was actually the whether it was the uh, police or the army, because I never saw any hotel employees. I saw plenty of police and army people around. Because the states were running separate shows, I mean, in some states it was police, in, in some states it was health, in some states it was kind of a combination. So it was really, really difficult to know who to complain to. It was just awful. Oh, God, I'm, I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry that happened to you. Oh yeah, I was absolutely disgusted with the um, with the Queensland government. I was disgusted with yeah, Jeanette Young. I thought to myself, you know, you you're on about you're sort of protecting everyone from this virus that that actually you can't stop anyway. And secondly, it's not it's not killing as many people as the flu. So what's the big deal? And so you, you, you're spending all of your time and effort on that, but you're not worrying about my mental health, are you? And I mean, I'm, I'm an Australian taxpayer. I pay, I pay tax on my Australian earnings. And I'm thinking to myself, you know, I, well, Australian tax, Queensland tax. I don't, um, I don't get anything back for that. And then to um, think of the fact that I'm supporting you know, this type of person in, in their job, it's it's pretty disappointing. So the Chief Health Officer, Jeanette Young, was rewarded for her economic diligence during the pandemic. She was made Governor of Queensland by the Premier, Anastasia Palaszczuk. That, that was on the cards even, yeah, sort of, well early in the piece, I think it was before the um, lockdown started that they were touting her as the next Governor-General. I don't really have too many kind words to say about um, Mrs Palaszczuk. 
and I, I don't have too many kind words to say about Jeanette Young either. When he took the flight back to Queensland in April 2021, Carl fortunately wasn't affected by the flight caps, even though they were still in place. The key was using a travel agent who could quickly nab flights. Carl did a head count when he boarded, and there were exactly 30 people on the Heathrow to Singapore leg and 36 on the flight to Brisbane. What happened was I had to be on on standby. Um, I, I had I have a really good relationship with with a travel agent because from here I go all over the over the countryside, well over the world. So and I always use the same travel agent because you build a rapport. And so this guy at the travel agent said, "Well, look, if you if you can be ready to go at a minute's notice, then and you couldn't do it at a minute's notice. It actually had to be it had to be." in time to get your negative PCR test and, and that sort of stuff. But he said, you know, if, if you can be ready sort of straight away to go, I'll give you a he heads up as soon as somebody sort of uh, can't go. Because, you know, people can't go because they failed the PCR test or whatever. So that's what I did. Um, in fact, I, I rang him in, in the morning. He rang me that night and said, uh, can, you go, uh, can you go on um, Thursday? So this was on the Monday. And I said, "Yep, yeah, book it in." So I, I paid it on the spot, which was nearly three thousand, more than double. It's, it was almost triple. It was um, two thousand and seventy-five pounds. So you're looking at um, going on for four grand in Australian dollars, usually eight hundred, seven or eight hundred pounds. But I didn't have a choice. I had had to get back and and do the house because otherwise I'd have lost it. It was uninsured because it was vacant. Uh, it was not lettable, so I went back. I spent, I spent well three and a half months because I spent half a month in quarantine. So I spent three and a half months refurbing the house, uh, which we've got a really good tenant in it now, so that's great. Like many of us, Carl wrote to the government saying he was not going to pay for the hotel quarantine because it was unsuitable accommodation. Despite his correspondence, his fee has been sent to the debt collectors for recovery. Um, I actually, I did challenge the fee. Um, what I did was I actually sent them, I sent them a thing saying, well, look, I'm not paying for the hotel because the, yeah, the place was a building site. It was not suitable for human habitation and you know, I made them an offer that I would actually pay for the food. Uh, so when they rejected that offer, I then um, said to them, okay, so you've sent me a rejection, but you haven't told me on what grounds you've rejected it. So I will need the details on that. But I said, also in the letter, I said, um, and can you please explain also how how you have determined that this, this is a debt that I owe when quarantine um, responsibilities come under the federal government and the federal government has to conduct that for free under the Australian constitution. Can you explain why that's the case? So um, I haven't, I, I did hear, I, I did get an email back saying, because this went into my, my thing has gone into, you haven't, 
you haven't responded to the last three notifications of you owe the debt, we're going to put it into into um, debt recovery. I've said to them, you can put it wherever you like. I'm not paying for it. So, and I've actually kept the emails. So if it does if it does actually come to a into a court situation, I can actually show. Well, it's it's basically you know, demanding money with menaces. That's a crime. So who? The people who are doing it should be jailed for that. Quarantine is actually more suited to to sort of quarantining sick people away from healthy ones, not the other way around. That's the first time in in history that that it's been done the other way around, and it actually didn't work. So no, it didn't work. That was crazy because quarantine was first started with ships, I believe. So they would like. God, I can't even remember what the virus might have been, Black Plague or something like that, but that actually uh, hold the ships over with with the crew. Yeah, I, I did read in the in the notes for the yeah, quarantine rules for Australia, that's actually where the um, quarantining thing came from. I believe even then, though, it was still a it's it was still an Australian government responsibility to pay for it. So I think that Scott Morrison actually. Yeah, bears a lot of responsibility for it because what um, he's effectively done is given the states power that they don't actually have. The states can say whatever they like, but the Australian constitution trumps the states' constitutions. Well, I couldn't believe a lot of things that came out of his mouth, in fact. Um, and, yeah, there were that many different government portfolios that, that he took ownership of while he was the prime minister that he did secretly um and and um that again was was something that was illegal and i i think that there is a court case pending that challenges that now the australian constitution and the biosecurity act are clear not only is the australian government responsible for quarantine it also pays for it. Unfortunately for us, the Australian government and states and territories threw legislation out the window in 2020. I think it's Article 51 of the Constitution, the Australian Constitution comes to mind. And there is a specific spot in there where it says that the Australian federal government is party that is responsible for any uh, quarantining. Um, it's also it also says it also says that they must provide that quarantining for free um, or they can't charge for it. It also says that they um, they they can only quarantine returning visitors if they are showing or are likely to show some sort of infection. So when when we came back on the on the plane from England, we actually had to prove that we we weren't infected with anything before we actually even got on the plane. What they've effectively done is they've said, well, okay, so we know that you're healthy, but we're still going to quarantine you anyway. 
which is nuts. Yeah, so what, what you're saying is that the Biosecurity Act has those provisions in it. So I think it's Section 108 that says that the quarantine, um, the quarantine is paid for by the Commonwealth. Um, and there are also other sections that I can't remember um, that there actually has to be a control order issued for a person to be quarantined. And none of that happened. I think what they actually did, and there were also politicians at the same time who were saying, but this was after the JobKeeper scheme had finished. So, so basically the state's sign up to this JobKeeper scheme to keep everyone happy. And then when JobKeeper finished, that's when they actually started coming out and saying that um, quarantine is a, a federal responsibility. Before that, they didn't care. So you can see how the politics works. It's really interesting. I actually, I've shuddered away from politics all of my life. I'm 60 years of age now. I've never actually really liked being involved in anything political. That's for the people who do their stuff. I don't care. But at 60 years of age, I've, I've finally decided that I'm interested in what goes on in politics because it's a really dark world there. We talk about corruption in, in Eastern sort of governments, third world governments as they call them. We don't talk about the corruption that is is just rampant within within our own government. I I don't even like the word pandemic because I th I think that it it was just a sickness that that um, didn't really make a lot of difference in you know, most people's lives. If we've learned nothing from COVID-19, it's that politics and political agendas were at play, not health. The thing that I really, really took exception to as well when we got into when we got into Brisbane was, um, yeah, the coercion. You either sign this piece of paper or we're going to put you back on the plane. You're either you're either going to pay the quarantine fee or you're going to have wasted your money coming here because we're not going to let you let you enter the country so if if you didn't pay the if you didn't pay the quarantine fee they were going to send you back i signed it knowing that they didn't have the the power to to make you sign it but they did have the power to turn turn around and stick you back on a plane because they weren't playing by the by the law and there there is actually a there is actually a crime in australia um, that is actually, I can't remember the legal term for it, but it's actually um, a crime to demand money with menaces, which is actually what the, what the government was doing. I expect I will get a letter from a debt collector. I won't be paying the, the collection agent either, um, but I will actually be saying, um, well, Queensland Health has the Queensland government has not proven um, that I owe a debt, so I'm not paying you, and you need to go back to them and get proof. So, because I, I think the collection agents actually they actually buy the debt, they pay Queensland Health probably yeah ten cents in the dollar for them. So yeah, Queensland Health has actually had whatever they were getting out of the debt collectors, and and the debt collector then will try and pursue, but yeah. What are they going to do? Come over here and and um, take me to court? Demand me to return to Australia to face court? Yeah, that's not going to happen either. 
Carl is still impacted by what the Australian government did to him, did to us. It's not only a financial cost, but emotional. Not being able to say goodbye to his mother in person broke his heart. Emotionally, it ranges from depression over the uh, inability to see my mum, that type of thing, to despair when I was in a hotel room that I could not do anything about the um, torture, really. So that was quite despairing and anxiety. It actually affected me to the point that I was prepared and I did open the door to my room knowing that they could actually enforce another 14-day quarantine on me. That's how traumatized I was by it. I felt violated when they were abseiling down the side of the building and looking inside my window. I didn't know who they were. It could have been the contractors. It could have been the police. I don't know. All I know is that on two different occasions, uh, they abseiled down the side of the building and um, looked into my room. If I'd have had notice, I would have grabbed my leather man out and actually locked the window back up because the uh, windows were not supposed to open. But I've got a um, multi-tool that I just, it's there for maintenance. Instead of using the key, I used my pliers. I was able to sit in the in the hotel room for two weeks. At least I had fresh air, which... Yeah, no one else in the hotel did. Um, and I turned the air conditioning off because I didn't want anything coming through the air conditioning that was going to make me ill. But yeah, luckily enough, it was cool enough that um, I could just have the window open and um, get some fresh air that way. If it had been anybody else, that's what I do. I'm, I work in engineering and that's how my mind works. And I, I carry the appropriate tools with me wherever I go uh, to do that kind of thing. It's not just opening windows, it's actually opening up shower heads so that I can get a proper shower when they restrict the shower. Um, so thinking about also there was a lot of media around re- returning travellers and I put that in quotation marks by the media and the Australian public generally were not particularly kind or compassionate. How did that make you feel at the time? Oh, I was absolutely ropeable. Um, I chose to move to the UK for a higher purpose, if you like, you know, raising of my grandson. So my wife and I made the decision to move here and it's not like I wanted to move out of Australia. I'd much rather be in Australia. I come from the bush over here. There isn't any. You know, I spent 17 and a half years sort of uh, missing out on on that. But the Australian public to go, well, you know, if they choose to be over there, then you know, what right have they got to come back? Well, I think that they're missing a point is that I'm an Australian citizen. I'm as Australian as what they are. And they don't know what reason I'm here in the UK for. They don't know what reason somebody else might be over in New York or got a sister that lives in Texas in America. Yeah, she does humanitarian work. She's there because there's a need, vilified for the fact that she's that she's doing something that she sees as important. You know, even as far as, as I said earlier, I, I still pay tax in Australia. There's a higher level of tax than what a, a resident pays because purely for the fact that I'm not a resident, everything I make, I pay 30-something percent on being no one's business as to why he or any of us were out of the country when the pandemic was declared. Carl has some final words for the Australian public. That the, um, the message I would have is, 
you know, use your brains. Don't don't just take everything that the government says for granted because they have their own agendas and what they're telling us is not necessarily the truth. The Never Forget What They Did podcast tells our stories because what was done to us should never be forgotten. Music by Les FM on Pixabay. Our stories are released every week on a Sunday. You can find us on Apple, Spotify, Google or wherever you get your podcasts. You can also find us on dianelee.com.au forward slash never forget. <laughs>